This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with Fan Hub to put fans first. Hello and welcome to MK1 Podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe talk everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, gents, pretty uh, pretty pleasing even yesterday, after, um, yesterday even, I should say, sorry. Um, I'm sure we're all in pretty good moods, but I'll ask you anyway. Um, Ross, how's your uh, past few nights been going? Yeah, just riding the wave of the week, mate, you know how it is. But yesterday, uh, yeah, it certainly cheered me up. Yeah, I think we all needed a bit of pick-me-up, didn't we? Um, Joe, I'm sure you were the same. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's good to see finally Russ getting a bit of vindication for some of the things he's been saying in the past weeks and sticking to his guns. It's good to finally see a bit of uh, uh, a bit of um, results, a few results to back him up. Yeah, well, it's um, we've definitely earned it, that's for sure, and they all have. And uh, it's nice to see us uh, putting a big, big away performance. Uh, another new guest for the pod. Um, you know, Joe has uh, been bigging up his appearance, so we're hoping for big things. Uh, Jack, how are you doing? Well, thank you. I'm doing all right, thank you. Uh, don't expect big things, but expect something. <laughs> well, that's better than nothing, eh? Yeah. Um, quickly, before we... Um, well, not quickly at all, but before we get on to uh, positive things, um, this is obviously the, this is the first podcast uh, before we had the news about... Um, the gaffer's uh, father passing away, um, very unfortunate uh, circumstances, and um, everyone on the podcast offering our condolences to Russ and his family. I uh, obviously spent some well, uh, well-deserved time with them uh, yesterday, and uh, we hope that they're dealing with the news as best as possible, as uh, it's quite a difficult time for him. And uh, I'm sure the past two results have meant a lot to him. And I don't know if you guys watched the project interview, but he got quite emotional during it. And uh, yeah, you can see how much it uh, meant to him. So, on to that game that um, Russ Martin was uh, getting emotional after the game. Uh, 
pretty pretty big performance really against Charlton away. Uh one 0 win. Um, you know, it's uh it was a pretty good game. Um, you know, XG wise, uh we absolutely dominated Charlton, quite frankly. Um we got a one point six six XG, so we underperformed, but it could have been given a cricket score, quite frankly, in terms of how we played. And um anyone's keeping track, Charlton had a zero point six XG, so they were they were pretty poor overall the whole game. And I like to think the XG numbers reflect in that. Um, Jack, as you're the guest, why don't you kick us off with uh, how you thought we played against uh, Charlton last night? Sure. Well, I thought we played absolutely brilliantly. I think it was the, the best game of the season, certainly the most fluid in our transitions uh, this season. Um, I think, as Russ said, the pitch uh, at the Valley really, really helped. Obviously, compared to at home, it's a bit bobbly um, due to sort of COVID, etc. Um, but yeah, I, I thought we played absolutely brilliantly. Um, I think a big, big performance from Kasumu. Um, and also uh, from Matty Sorinola. Um, I thought both of them uh, excelled really well, especially for the, for the age they are. I think they're really like sort of forcing themselves into, into the team as sort of a mainstay. So, yeah, overall, really impressive, really happy. Yeah, Kaz has been really impressive since he's got back into that pivot role. I think, uh, you know, we've seen people like Lasser and uh, Jordan, who's unfortunately injured now, who had tried to take over that role and didn't really execute it very well. Yeah. Um, but Kaz has come back and really given that security that we need in terms of plays like, you know, uh, Scotty Fraser and even um, like players like Gladwin, who actually played right wing back last night, you know, getting a bit more forward and really expressing themselves a bit more and being allowed to do that. Yeah. Uh, Ross, why don't you give us your thoughts on how uh, you thought we played last night against Charlton? Yeah, it was a, obviously a performance I was um, very pleased with. But I feel like um, that performance was probably the, one of the most complete performances I've seen in under Russ Martin as a manager. And um, I just feel like, uh, considering where Charlton were in the league, I feel, I know their home form was quite uh, sh- shocking and inconsistent as such. But I just feel like, as, as uh, Jack said himself, we dominated fourth in the league. And I think it's a bit of a uh, statement for the rest of the uh, other teams in the top half to show that we are in a false position, we are developing, and we're only going to get better at the end of the day. Yeah, but I think... I'm, oh, sorry, Josh, carry on. Go on, go on. No, I was going to say, I think a, a few Charlton fans call us MK Madrid, which is interesting. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah. funny enough you say that, I was about to go on to that, and um, I saw um, a few Charlton fans, on, especially on Twitter, saying that we're one of the best teams that they've played this year, and they've played um, a few of the big boys now, but... Um, I think it's just a testament to Russ and especially Luke Williams of uh, how far we've came through playing out the back this playing out the back style. Yeah, I say every game we've we're watching, we've kind of seen more and more progression from them. And we've spoken for weeks and weeks about how you know not only do we relish playing the bigger teams, but we play better against the bigger teams because they want to come out and play against us. And uh, we punish them for them essentially. And um, it's you know it's really nice, especially away from home, as we're not used to such good form away from home and typically say UNK has been a bit of a fortress but uh, well I mean if we can get both that'd be ideal but it's nice to see the away form kick in uh, finally Joe why don't you give us uh, some of your thoughts about how you performed last night against Charlton yeah I, I was just so impressed from minute one it, one thing that really struck me was just how aggressive we were and it was from minute one we seemed to feed off the energy of the crowd which we'll, we'll get onto in, in a bit but we we weren't just we weren't just aggressive, we were creative, we calmed it down when we needed to, 
there was times in the last five, ten minutes where we were just playing it, playing triangles for fun, drawing a foul and just wasting another 30 seconds. And that's that's a side of our game we haven't shown before. We're too naive. We, we'd let people take quick free kicks. And we we managed that, apart from the, the one chance they had at the end, I thought we managed the game really well. Um, as Jack said, I feel in transition um, and breaking, I thought there was, I, I thought it, Charlton massively helped because once they pressed us and we bypassed their press, we were just able to run at them for fun. And I think with the big pitch at the Valley, it really did suit us and it was a magnificent surface. Um, the only downside would just be that we should have scored way more. I think that's the only downside for the game, really. Yeah, I mean, Ben Amos, their keeper, had a terrific game, didn't he? And uh, very similar to Eastley in that way, in terms of if maybe different keepers and goal, it could have been a cricket scorer again. Um, I think we're all in agreement that it was probably our best performance of the season in terms of how complete it was. I feel like it had really good defensive solidarity, but also that, well, when we needed it, clinicalness up top, obviously it could have been more, but their keeper was uh, pretty impressive to say the least. And um, it shut uh, quite a few Dons fans up who were complaining before, in my opinion, and um, quite a few non-Dons fans who were, you know, saying it was an easy game because it certainly wasn't. And uh, have to take the three points back home to MK1, that's for sure. And one thing as well, it wasn't just, you know, 25-yard shots he was saving. We were crafting out some real good opportunities. There was a few balls in the box that didn't get a touch on. And there was some really good opportunities, um, uh, really good uh, positions we found ourselves in, in and around the box where just the final ball just, just wasn't quite there. But it just showed we were getting in the areas and we we're actually starting to really create some dangerous situations. Yeah, it's, it's been due for a good few weeks now. It's actually creating good shot opportunities and yeah, it was certainly welcome to see. Um, Joe, you referred to about the you know the fans and their influence on the game, and it was the first time the fans have been in stadium since about March, I believe. Um, so obviously it's a brilliant sight to see. And um, I've got down my notes that it, it was actually I think it actually plays to our advantage having fans, no matter where we're home or away. Um, you know, we saw last night how Charles fans are getting really frustrated by how we were just dominating the ball. And typically, when you go to a home game, you can't expect your team to assert their dominance on the game. But Charlton just couldn't do that. We were just, our style of football is so possession-based that, you know, it, it ultimately, it's kind of like you're the away team in your own stadium, which is a bit strange. And um, Ross, I don't know if you agree with me or you saw the same sorts of things, but I'm interested to get your thoughts on whether you think it's an advantage for us, you know, having these fans away from home that are back in the stadiums now. Um it, It's an advantage to some teams, but I feel like um, Charlton last night, um, once they saw that this lower lower league, uh, lower end League One team were going to the Valley and weren't scared to play out from the back and we're actually causing massive problems. I feel, as you say, that pressure can get to the players. I feel like without fans, our pressure isn't there as such. And I write down here that it's like a training match as such. You can make mistakes because the fans aren't there to boot or um, shout or, you know, aggravate you as such so I just feel like yeah these fans I feel like it will benefit MK in the long term for sure yeah there was such expectation on last night as well for Charlton fans and it'll be the same on Saturday against Accrington you know I believe it's their first game at home unless I'm wrong um obviously since we've you know, been announced back into the stadium um or going to ground to say sorry so it would be exactly the same scenario as it was last night so you know if they can you know, thrive off that type of atmosphere, then 
I, I can't see I could definitely see a repeat performance. Uh, Joe, why don't you give us your particular thoughts on you know fans turning back to the stadium, whether that's an advantage disadvantage for us? I think it's, there's no doubt about it. It's a huge advantage. I think when we're away from home, one thing we saw yesterday was um, for the first five to ten minutes, the Charlton fans are pretty boisterous. They're getting behind the team. And then you know, ten minutes into the game, we've just killed. We've just killed the atmosphere. It was it was so quiet. I felt, and it was because we were just patient with the ball. We killed the crowd. We didn't give them anything to get excited about. And you know, you could then. And then when they had the ball, we were pressing so high. There was a big long ball up from Amos, and the whole you just hear the groans, and it's going to play on the players' minds. And and um, it's just it's going to play into our hands, and you could just feel. The, the energy around the place that it, it's when when teams are teams just can't sit back against us because that's probably been the most effective way of playing against us so far but especially with a team like Charlton that their fans aren't going to take us them sitting back against us they they're expected to come and come at us and we we just didn't allow them to do that and I think having fans there meant that they couldn't do that. And it's yeah, I think it's only an advantage for us. And at home, you know, when you camped outside the opposition's box, you know, I think I don't think people realise from watching on iPhone how fast we actually move the ball and how many dangerous situations we get into. And just you know, having us, you know, g the team on, it's going to make the opposition nervous. They're going to sink further back, and it's it both on both fronts. I think it's going to be an advantage for us. Yeah, I'm um, I'm very interested to see what will happen when we get back to Stadium MK and we sort of play this page of style of football. I do agree with what you're saying regarding uh, urging the team on, but there's also that side of MK Don's hand, I'm sure we all know it's where <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Shoot, who, things like that. And um, that can also play and, have massive impact on what we do. Um, maybe not from 35 yards. <laughs> yeah, maybe not in terms of, oh, you know, going away from the, the process, but in terms of, you know, getting into players' heads, a bit like what happened with Charlton last night. So I think there's two sides that are coined on that one. Uh, Jack, finally to you, um, do you agree with what Joe and Ross are saying in terms of how it could be an advantage to us going forward? Yeah, I think it's really interesting, actually. I think um, in your pod with Russ, Joe asked a question about uh, Pompey when they brought on some defensive-minded players when they were what, a couple of goals up this season or a goal up this season. And it was sort of saying how, you know, this wouldn't this wouldn't happen if uh, if fans were in the stadium, you know, because it would be, it, the boos would be, would be going, the groans would be going, thinking, why are we shutting up shop against MK Dons? But I do think this affects, the further you go down the league, I think there'll be less of an effect away from home. I think, obviously, with bigger teams comes, like, bigger expectations. So you could imagine Sunderland away this season, that would be going bloody mental, people, you know, booing, uh, losing to MK Dons. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. Yeah, you're right. But I think um, at home as well, I think some fans, or a proportion of our fans, do have a tendency to start... Um, maybe not get behind the team when they're sort of sticking to one plan. I think, I think so it could play against us in that, in, in that respect. Um, but overall, yeah, I, I do agree with you guys. I think uh, having fans away from home is, is, will be sort of a plus for us in the long run. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it just generally is. I think, um, you know, last night was a prime example of that. And yeah, hey, if that can continue, then we're going to see a lot more away wins, I reckon, uh, this season, which would be beautiful. Three in a row now. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, 
Yeah, so the next subject, um, I believe, Joe, you made note of this one, so I'll let you lead if you want. Um, but it's in regards to uh, strikers, you know, not needing to score a goal if necessarily having a good game. And uh, I think, you know, last night's performance really emphasised that. So I'll let you lead, Joe, and uh, take it away, my friend. Yeah, thanks. Um, one thing I've, I've noticed in the past few games was um, a couple of people were suggesting people like maybe Agard having a chance and trying to change things up when perhaps we weren't necessarily firing on all cylinders but if you actually look at the past sort of five six games pretty much in every single game one of Jerome Morris or Walker had actually scored um, but tonight um, sorry yesterday night neither neither of them scored and um, but 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 that didn't stop all or I felt Jerome and Morris especially having such a good solid game and they just added and contributed massively to what we did I think the main one I want to point out is Carlton Morris and he's since coming on against Shrewsbury, he had a brilliant game against um, against Barnet in the FA Cup, and he he was absolutely phenomenal tonight. Uh, sorry, I keep saying last night. He um he, he he's and I think Fraser mentioned it in his post match. He said he, he's such a unit. He just needs to use it more. And I feel that Morris is at his best when he's he's challenging with defenders. He's not trying to. Be something he's not. He's not trying to run in behind constantly or or um, try and beat a man. He's, he's at his best when he's getting involved and he's getting involved in the duels and he, he won pretty much everything in the air. And I feel with him and Jerome, one thing they did so well was they brought the wing backs into play and they also, they kind of sacrificed themselves, came deeper to allow someone like Fraser to run beyond, which is exactly what happened for the goal. One of them was occupying a defender meaning that there was a clear space for Fraser to run through and a great ball by Lass. Um, so I, I just feel that even though neither of them scored, I feel that those two were two of our best players um, players on um, on Wednesday night. And after, I just feel, feel that they the work they did off the ball and on the ball just deserved a, a bit of a shout-out, really. Yeah, I think I referred to it briefly, Joe, but... The, stat, the, the main stat that I felt really emphasised how Morris played last night was his 10 out of 13 aerial duels won. Did that, that, yeah, that really like exemplified like his fight for the team in general last night and his real want to get the result. And it shows that, you know, he is like a real a real team player. And to be honest, if Amos wasn't in goal, he probably would have scored anyway. Um, yeah. And you could, either, you could equally argue the same for Jerome if he hadn't have you know fell over instead of having a shot which <laughs> I don't know why he claimed for a penalty there but you know it, it goes through players mindsets I suppose at the time um, but yeah you know I was really impressed with both from last night and uh, we know what chemistry they have from Norwich and they've shown it against previous games against like Oxford for example in the season and um, yeah long may it continue uh, Ross why don't you give us your thoughts on how you felt regarding the partnership up front last night with Morris and Jerome well, I'm going to put you in a scenario. So we bring Kieran Agar for last night's game. We get him in the box. I think nine times out of ten, he's going to be shooting out at goalkeeper. Straight straight right at him. I, I don't think Carlton Morris or Jerome could have done any more in front of goal. I think Ben Amos just had one of those uh, games in the net. As, as we said uh, just a minute ago, we could have scored five, five or six. But I, I, felt, I felt like, I think it was like, 60 minutes in, I felt, is it going to be one of these days where we're not going to score? But obviously, Fraser's, Fraser's uh, pulled out the bag from a tight angle and uh, scored. But what I like about Morris's his work rate, 
he will chase everything. He, and he does just doesn't give up. And um, I've noticed, especially from kickoff as well, he's he literally gives it his all to close down that centre-half when they go for the long ball. And I just feel like he offers so much more than what Walker does. And I know they're two different types of players, but if, we, if we're going to be playing against a physical side like Charlton, I feel like Morris is suited. But I, I noticed like two weeks back that we said that Jerome and Walker were the number one partnership. Do you? This is a question to you guys. Do you feel like Morris is not Walker out that spot? Go on, Jack, take it away. Yeah, I think on form at the moment, you'd have to say he, uh, he does. Um, I'm not sure if you could maybe put a case in for Walker playing in a different position, maybe put a bit more out wide. I know he's a, he's a bit more sort of trickier on the ball, got a bit more pace than Morris perhaps. Um, but at the moment, on form, I'd say Morris and Jerome are, are, the, uh, are the starting two up front. Yeah, I think we mentioned regarding Walker, how he's such a hot and cold player. Um, and it's, it's the same for it with all young players, but it's quite evident with uh, Steve that that is the case. Um, so, you know, he's going to get games where he's on form and he's firing all cylinders. But, you know, the past couple of games, he's been on a bit of a cold streak. And with the amount of competition we've got on the squad, it's you can't really afford to be having that and starting games. So, yeah, I, I will definitely see Jerome Walker's partnership in the future. Um, but at the moment, yeah, it's Morris and Jerome for me. And last night just showed that. I think it as well, there's different games suit different players. I feel like Walker would potentially be like, he, he'd maybe be quite good against a deeper block because he, he's got that trick to beat a man. Whereas Morris, I think he, he was so good in transition and his, his energy, like we said, I think I think Steve's much more of a, uh, a fox in the box. He's quite tricky. And when it's congested penalty area and you just need that instinctive shot like against Hull, or someone to just beat a man and have a shot from 20 yards, maybe, just to unnerve the keeper. I feel like that that's that's Walker's unique skill set. But I think Morris was was the perfect man for Tuesday night, uh, for Wednesday night. And I feel like he's it, it's his place to lose at the moment. Yeah, just like to add, I think that um, when Morris is on the pitch, I think it really complements Scott Fraser quite well because it gives him that license to get forward and to play balls into Morris and to bounce off him. I don't think when you have Stephen Walker on the pitch that that sort of that outlet is there. It's a different sort of outlet, but I, I feel like the two really complement each other. And you know, when when Scott Fraser is best, MK Dons are usually at their best. Yeah, I've just got a pass maps from Diamond Formation as usual. It's a shout out to Brad. Brilliant work. Yeah, Fraser had a 75.4% pass accuracy last night, 46 pass completion for 61. And uh, Morris actually had pretty equal to that, 74.4%, which I think that just shows how unselfish and good he was last night in terms of just controlling the game and really taking it to their centre-backs. Now, it was clear that Prattley was just getting wound up every two seconds in that game. And I don't know how he was sent off, to be honest. Um, but, you know, he clearly got under his skin, uh, Sorinola, Morris, people like that. Um, and yeah, I think it. As I think you had your, your notes, Jack. So you want to mention this quickly? Um, it's quite important to our style of play. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's similar to what I just said, really. Uh, the, the license to be able to play off Morris is 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 vital to um, if we're playing, you know, three in midfield. You've got two wing backs as well. It's you know, they, they need to drive forward and sort of create space and create those runs. And, and you need someone up front is who's, who's going to be selfless and is going to hold up and hold up the ball for people. Um, so yeah, I think I think Morris is you know absolutely vital for the team. That's a perfect word to yeah, describe definitely. him selfless. I yeah. think because he he does yeah. um, he he does not sacrifice himself for the team, but 
you know, I think that was a perfect performance where, okay, he could have had a couple himself, but so many of those attacks where a def- Louis fizzed a ball into him, Scott Fraser's making a run off him and all of a sudden, you know, we're in. And it's just as simple as just having that that outlet. And it's by no means, he's no, by no means a target man. He's, he's much, much more than that because we're not lumping balls up to him in the hope that he can get a flick on. We're, you know, playing it into him. He's holding it up and he's playing intelligent passes. And, he, you know, to make that many passes as a striker is, is quite something. It just shows how involved he is. Yeah, and um, him, him, uh, Morris, uh, Fraser, and Sorinola were quite a big impact of our attacks. That's not on the left hand side. And, um, you know, our next topic is about the wizard that is Scott Fraser, um, you know, wizard magician, whatever you want to call him. He's he's an incredible player. I don't know how he's at MK Don's, quite frankly. Um, I know, you know, he mentioned his, his presser last night how he, hate, he doesn't hate people saying that, but he doesn't agree with people saying that as he really believes in like Russ and his like process in a sense. And, it's clear to see that you know, we mentioned the pass map just there. I think it's seventy-five point four percent pass accuracy, which for what for all it did last night was an incredible ratio, really. And um, you know, stats can't really justify his performance, but if you want to try and do that, he got uh, out of twenty-two ground duels he won last night. Uh, he had last night he won fourteen of them, and he completed six out of six dribbles. So it, it's basically all over the pitch, and I, and I think his heat maps show that. Uh, and it was, you know, if people were questioning whether he was better than Alex Gilby, I think uh, last night for that to bed uh, once and for all. Um, Jack, what are your thoughts on uh, Scotty Fraser's performance last night? Yeah, well, I think you put it perfectly. The, the bloke is a, is a wizard. He, he's, he's amazing. Um, you know, we're very, very lucky, I think, to have him here this season. Um, I think an interesting stat, I know you mentioned quite a few, was that he was the joint most fouled player on the pitch. Uh, he attracted five fouls, uh, the same as Max Sorinola. So it just goes to show that, you know, he, he's a dangerous player and, and the opposition, you know, do fear him um, and they will make rash challenges against him because they know, you know, when, when he is in those positions to be clinical, he usually is. Um, yeah, absolutely outstanding player. Um, I can't wait to watch him live. Yeah, and uh, I think I'm gonna have to wait a little, a bit longer than you guys. So I'm in there tier three, but yeah, um, yeah, I think we saw a few of those clinical fouls from Gilby, right? He's especially that. I think it's the second one in the second half. That was a pretty nasty foul, that one. But you know, it's it's a sign of respect for most players. I think most players do see it as that. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, I don't think we'll see many, well, many better performances from a player this season, quite frankly. Uh, Ross. Oh, carry on, Jack. Sorry. I just want to say I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Ben Gladwin cynical challenge on uh, Gilby. I think it was in the uh, in the first <laughs> half, was it? Right on the edge of the box. Brilliant. Yeah, get get one back on him. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Ross, um, what are your thoughts on Scotty Fraser's performance last night? Yeah, I was just um, after the game. I just thought, obviously, we're all astounded by what a player he is. And to believe it or not, we got him on a free from Burton in the summer. It's just outrageous. And I don't like to big him up because of um, obviously uh, club, clubs will come calling if they uh, somehow listen to this. But <laughs> I, I do believe he is one of the best in the league at, at what he does. He gets in behind. And I think a few mentioned it. If he improves his finishing, he could get as many goals as assists this season. And um, as Jack said earlier, I feel like it, when he ticks, MK Don's tick. And he just brings everyone else into play. So going forward, um, yeah, he's not a very good player for other clubs. Um, and uh, yeah, I, as, as Jack said, I can't wait to see him live. Yeah, he's um, 
we mentioned a few, well, quite a few pods ago, actually, that he is that creative hub for Milton Keynes Dons. Like, if if we play well, there's a good chance Scott Fraser's at the hub of it and at the heart of it. And he was last night, and of course, he got the winning goal. And he pretty much sort of infused everything that was good about the performance last night. Um, Joe, did you have anything to add on uh, Scott's performance last night? Yeah, I think one thing I absolutely loved about last night, and if people haven't seen it, I'd urge you to go and check it out, is his post-match interview. And he, he just talks about, he, you know, obviously he gets a lot of credit, but he talks about everyone else in the team that helps him do his job. And one of the people I wanted to mention was Dave Kasumu. And I, I know they've been talking about Fraser, but I think one important thing about Fraser is that he can't do what he does without someone like Dave Kasumu there. And I, and I personally, I, I know Scott Fraser's probably been our best player this season, but I'd have Dave Kasumu right up there with him. I think his transfer, I wouldn't say... It, it's not a transformation. It's more of a progression, as someone um, someone said on Twitter. And he, he's turned into from a frantic, headless chicken, ru- running around absolutely everywhere, hacking people down, getting involved. Hollywood passes. He's turned into a real mature uh, number six holding midfielder who can who, he, he can dribble the ball. He can he can beat his man. He can play a, a, an easy pass. He, he, he is not afraid to get stuck in, but he's, he's doing it in a much more controlled way now. His yellow cards are starting to dry up, uh, which I'm sure bookies will, <laughs> bookies will be pleased about. Um, but yeah, I think without the Dave Kasumus of this world, you won't get the Scott Frasers. And I feel that they've it's such a good uh, position to have both of them. And I feel, just, just quickly on, on Fra- Fraser's interview, he mentioned about how people were surprised people were surprised that he actually signed for MK and he said, but I, I knew what they're working. I knew what they're working on. I knew what, know what they're doing. And I think it just shows the pull of Russell Martin. We would not be having half these players like your Jerome's, your sermons. Um, and it's, they're buying into a project. They're not buying into a team that finished 20th or whatever in the league last season. They're buying into a team, which they believe is going to be one of the best in the league within a couple of years if not sooner. And I feel that to have people have that much faith in the manager and for him to be able to attract this, the calibre of player who, you know, by all accounts had championship offers, for him to drop to a team that was struggling to, you know, fight and stay in League One, I think it just speaks volumes. Yeah, and uh, additional plaudits how um, of Kaz and Fraser. I think Andrew Serving was as good, if not better in some yeah. cases he was absolutely incredible last night and I don't think PNF people are talking about it like he he was what if if um, he was as good as Jordan Howard has been if not better this season his pass distribution was off the charts I believe it was like 83% or something ridiculous which was way over the team average and his general control of the game considering he's not even fully fit yet had a week of training he controlled was, the tempo yeah he was absolutely incredible and if if uh, if he's here by the end of the season I'll be shocked to be honest because the championship team should be grabbing him straight away mm. so uh we uh we asked on Twitter about um Ben Gladwin because I I tweeted out when I saw the lineup I've got Ben Gladwin was playing left wing back but Joe you actually mentioned the WhatsApp that he's playing right wing back I was like oh, okay that's interesting um and you know what? I thought he did all right. Um, obviously, it helped the situation, that the game situation he was in, because obviously Chalmers fairly sitting back quite deep and not really pressing us too much. Um, but I asked on Twitter, as I said, about whether people think Gladwin, based off his addition last night, could be the answer of our wing back. And, um, you know, 
regular guest on the pod, uh, Harry's on 87, talks about no matter where Glavin plays, he sort of gives that extra dimension to the team, which I completely agree with. And, um, you know, you see that even players like Fraser, who's just spoken about, were quite surprised by him at wing-back and uh, he said, long may it continue. And uh, also, uh, Mark underscore LO4 spoke about how he thought he played well and um, he didn't look out of place at all. And uh, he feels he might be better suited than someone like Regan Porter, right wing-back, which is interesting. So I'll pass it over to you, Joe. Do you think Ben Gladwin is the answer right wing-back? I don't think he's the answer. I think he's a answer. Um, an answer, sorry. God, I'm awful grammar for myself. Um, <laughs> I think... I think I think with Ben Gladwin, I think he's that good. If you just need him on the pitch, and he can, he because he's affected games from left left wing back. He's affected games from right wing back, and he's affected games from the middle of the park. I feel with the middle of the park, I feel I feel we've we've got probably more options there that are a good attack. Like for instance, Sermon and Lasser's really really done well in the past couple of games. Um, but I think with Gladwin, one thing that he's got that that we don't lack, but it's, it's it. I think sets him up, sets him apart from everyone else's is set piece delivery and general crossing. I feel that it's so dangerous, intelligent. He's not afraid to go early with his crossing. And one of the most frustrating things for me was last night was Sorinola. I thought he was absolutely fantastic, and it's just so often just that last ball just just let him down. But I thought Sorinola had an absolutely fantastic game. I'm not knocking him at all. But I feel that it's it's a bizarre situation to be in where neither I think the two positions in the in the team which are totally up for grabs are left wing back and right wing back, and I feel with Gladwin I feel he's probably the technically our best player. I feel that if he if he hadn't had his injuries, I think Russ has said it before he wouldn't be in the, in in this league, and I just think that if we can get him on the pitch, we should do. Um, so yeah, I I feel I feel like. He, he is a, the answer, but he's definitely a, a good solution. Yeah, um, I completely agree. You know, me and Ross were screaming to hear uh, see Lappin start uh, last night. Um, whether that was for, uh, you know, uh, Matty or Regan or uh, even Lasser. Um, but we're certainly glad he did the matter where he played and uh, he certainly showed his impact last night. Uh, Jack, I know you've got some interesting views on the whole wing-back situation. So why don't you elaborate on that for us? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was just looking at the heat maps of the wing backs last night. I mean, Sorinola more so, but also Ben Gladwin. Um, they spent the priority of their time sort of on the uh, edge or on the side of the opposition box. So I think to call them a wing back uh, might might be not incorrect, but I think it's best to sort of describe them as sort of more, more so attacking wingers, maybe. Um, I, I don't think their defensive responsibilities are as sort of um, important as perhaps... Uh, even even a few a few weeks ago, um, I, I feel like our wing backs are really sort of playing as 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 wingers, all out wingers. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that Ben Gladwin is an answer to play at um, left wing back or right wing back. It seems, um, as Joe mentioned, I think he is the most technically gifted player in our team, um, and and to not have that on the pitch, I think you're really missing out on some sort of option. I mean, his crossing on the whole is brilliant. I mean, compared to other wing backs as well, I know. Um, Daniel Harvey, for example, uh, he, he's an all-in-all sort of left wing back. I think uh, this season he hasn't performed maybe to the heights that we've expected uh, of him. And also, I think his final final product, uh, his crosses, haven't been up to par at all when he has played. 
And I think that's just something that Ben Gladwell does have is just that sort of that, that natural ability to strike a football um, cleanly. Um, so I, I think to have him not on the pitch, it, we, we'd be missing out on, on something, a key part of the team. Yeah, the nice thing is, even though you say about you know, not having too much defensive responsibilities uh, last night, you know, both um, Ben Glavin and Matty were both there in important times mm. uh, in, the, in their own box. So, yeah, like, I think if, you, if they if they can offer the team, you know, that attacking um, you know, prowess that you speak of and also get back when they needed to, you know, they're going to nail down that spot like, pretty quickly and... I think if they continue performances like last night, then it, it's just bound to happen. It's going to be difficult for as many players like Harvey and Regan, who perhaps haven't been the best this season. You know, they've had their individual games, but not consistently. It could be difficult to get them back in the team. Um, Ross, I know, as I said, me and you were pretty keen to get Glavin back in the team, and uh, I think he proved this right. But do you think he's, you know, whoever you call right wing back or not, do you think he's going to be the answer there for the future or do you reckon he's a answer, as the boys have said? Uh, yeah, I agree with the other two boys in the sense of he's a solution down that uh, right-hand side. But I think it just shows um, Ben Gladwin as a footballer. He doesn't care where he plays. He just wants to be on the pitch and play football. And at the end of the day, we want a player like that at Milton Keynes. We don't want a player who's, who's going to sulk on the bench. And... Um, I just, I, that's what I do, why I adore him so much in the sense of he's technically gifted no matter where he's on the pitch and he'll adapt his game to suit that. So I, do, I don't feel like he's bang on number one at that wing back role. And in a sense, it might be quite controversial, but I don't feel Paul's as strong as we think he is at that wing back role. And I don't want to uh, put it out there because of that back line has been very strong recently, but um, I feel like Regan Paul's better in that back three on the right-hand side. But I don't want to throw it out there um, because of Ben Gladwin putting a shift last night. But yeah, he is a solution to, to our problems. But Ben Gladwin last night, it was, it was menacing down that right-hand side. It was a proper threat. And on occasions, he was, he was all over the pitch. He was down the left, he was down the middle. He didn't care, he just wanted the ball. Uh, that's what he brings to this MK side. And uh, as Joe said, his his knowledge and everything about the game is way above this League One level. Yeah, you, you briefly mentioned uh, Regan. And uh, it's going to tell you what, if he, if he hasn't got that right wing back spot as his, it's going to be really hard for him to get to that back three just because obviously George Williams coming back and he was... That's why I said it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And as you mentioned with George Williams on uh, the last episode after Barnet, he was so good in terms of organisation general and considering he hasn't played in months, like amazing performance. So it's in the... And the horror backed it up last night but he, with as good performance, if not better, against Charlton. So he's going to have a tough time um, if he can't beat out, you know, like the Gladwins or even Matty Sorinola's that right wing back spot. He's going to have a hard time uh, getting an assistant spot on a team, in my opinion. It's a strange one because of Paul defensively is better than what Gladwin is, but Gladwin going forwards a lot better than what Paul is. So as as we said earlier, it depends what type of game we're coming into. Yeah, and then if most teams are going to change the tactics completely to try and stop us, then uh, Ben Gladwin's going to start more games than not, eh? Hey? Yeah, I, I'd say the probably on, the only wing back that's probably nailed down at the moment is Sorinola. Yeah, I think he's been. I think he's almost. 
undroppable. Like he, 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 even though he, his final product might not be there, his his runs and his dribbling last night was outstanding, and some of the off the ball movement was just brilliant. Yeah, completely agree. So we could talk about the chart on game for hours and hours, but we've got another game to preview and we don't want to go on for too long. Um, we're on the road again on Saturday, uh, this time travelling up to Accrington Stanley. Um, should be quite a competitive game from what I've uh, read from the boys' notes. But uh, Joe, as usual, why don't you take us on the road to Accrington and let us know everything about them? Yeah, so, I mean, we were talking about away wins and it appears they are like buses, but will four come all at once. Um, Accrington have had a hell of a start really to the season it's it's been a very eventful season for them they're currently sitting in ninth but they've only played 12 games due to missing um i believe it was a three-week period a, a two or three-week period due to covid reasons and they weren't training at this time as well um only lincoln and hull have actually got a better points per game than than Accrington. so it just shows you the job that uh, john coleman has done and he's been he's been there for absolutely donkeys years um they're, they're currently sitting um, with um, with seven wins, uh, two two draws and three losses. Um, but interestingly, they've scored 16, but they've actually conceded 12. So their goal difference isn't massively overwhelming. So when they're getting these wins, they're, they're kind of getting ahead and they're staying ahead. And that's one of their real strengths is just getting, it, getting in ahead in games and making sure that they stay there. They, are, they play... Unfortunately, they play a three at the back formation, and we have struggled against three at the back formations this season. I think back to games like Northampton and AFC Wimbledon, where teams have been more than happy to just sit back, let us do our thing, and they'll wait. They'll, they'll wait their time um, to, to, and uh, you know take their chances when and if they come. Um, what one feature of Accrington this season is they're creating a lot of shots. Um, quite a few long shots, but they've taken the fifth most shots in the league and the third most on target. So, you know, it, it, even if even if it might not be the highest quality of chance, just making sure the keeper's busy and and getting the balls on target, you know, anything can happen if you're consistently hitting the target. Um, one, with Atkinson, they're, they're, they're constantly fighting against the odds with the budget and, and they've done extremely well and they play quite a, an attritional style of play. They, play. they like to play the long ball. They've got two strikers in Colby Bishop and Darius Charles who are great in the air and they are going to... Our centre-backs are not going to have a quiet game this uh, this this uh, Saturday. And um, I, I think that they've got a really solid spine at Crinton. As I mentioned, they've got Bishop and uh, Charles up top. And um, at the back, they've got... Um, Ross Sykes, young centre-back, and then the experience of Mark Hughes, and also Cam Burgess, who I think has been one of their better players this year. So they've got a real solid back line. Um, only conceded 12 goals in 12 games. Uh, 12 goals in 12 games. So that's some going. And as I said, in the, quite a few of their games, they've gone ahead and they've stayed ahead. So, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but just can we just please just not concede first? Um, just, a, just a player I wanted to... Um, to point out was Jonathan Russell on loan from uh, from Chelsea. He's 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 played eight games, got two goals, um, but I think he, he just offers something a little bit different. He's a good dribbler, and I feel like on transition and counter attacks, he could really offer a threat. And I feel that we will be dominating the possession, but I feel that Accrington do offer a serious threat on the counter attack, but also from set pieces where we have we have lacked recently, but. 
I feel that we are getting better, especially with the likes of Keo, uh, marshalling marshalling the the team. So yeah, I, I, overall, I think it will be a game where we'll have a lot of the ball, and I just feel it. It, it really depends on who gets the first goal and how the game turns out because you know either Atkinson are going to have to come out and try and play or they're going to score early set up shop and they're going to be more than happy to defend that lead but yeah it's certainly going to be a close game I only think there'll be one goal in it yeah and that's a bit of a sneak preview into my and Joe's predictions I think um, but yeah you know what it's been uh, five games now taking the lead five wins so you know it's going to be yeah it's going to be scores the first goal is probably going to take a win from this game. I don't see it being high scoring. Um, Ross, why don't you give us, you know, you usually have your ones to watch in terms of players. So why don't you dive, deep dive us into that and let us know some players to watch for Saturday's game. Yeah, Joe mentioned um, in that back line, they've got that Cameron Burgess, the 25-year-old. He started every game this season and he's got the experience behind him playing for Fulham in the Championship, um, Scunny in League One. And um, after, I think... Um, I might be wrong, but I think um, he appeared for uh, Southport as well, but might be wrong. Um, but yeah, he's very much the glue to that Accrington's defence. I just feel like um, it's maybe something we could exploit, um, targeting the younger lads on the um, and the um, Hughes on the other side. So maybe we can uh, switch it up. But also um, another one I wanted to mention was Charles at top. He's got uh, three goals and two assists this season. And he did um, sign from Southport in 2019. So he's actually made the step up very well um, since he signed. But he, um, he normally plays as a centre centre forward um, up top. And with him only being five foot eight, I feel like we can really uh, use it to a, our advantage as such. And uh, I'm hoping Keo will try and bully him and uh, try and make it a physical game. Because if Charles won't like that, he'll want to run in behind I just feel like Keo needs to start getting aggressive and getting tight to him and pulling his shirt. You know the typical Keo we all know. And I just feel I just feel like um, play to our strengths and not to theirs as such. But as as we all said, it's going to be a very tight game. Yeah, our, our high press clinical problems actually regarding you know these quick long balls. As Joe mentioned, that if Charles is that type of player, he's going to run in between the lines. Uh, that could be an issue if we, uh, you know go a bit on like pedestrian for a bit and you know let them have that chance um, yeah, I, I mixed up the Charles I just want to say I thought of Darius Charles who used to be at Stevenage and Wickham I believe yeah. so that's my that's my that's my error there I I, uh, I, I didn't do my research well enough I'm afraid <laughs> don't worry Ross has got you covered it's alright <laughs> um, just because you didn't mention him uh, Ross I'll make a brief mention of Joe Pritchard um, he's a number 10 he's basically played lights out all season Corner uh, Sofa score, average rating 7.32 from 12 starts in League One. Uh, joint top scorer for the club as well. Um, and, you know, I tend to pay quite a lot of attention to number 10. So, Honeyman from Hull was another one that I quite like the look of. And, um, you know, if if Action are going to do anything in terms of scoring goals this game, it's probably going to go through Pritchard in terms of the creativity. So, it's definitely key to keep an eye out for him. Uh, Jack, why don't you give us your thoughts um, on Saturday heading up to Atkinson Stanley? Sure. Well, I thought an interesting stat for Atkinson, I was, I was looking through their highlights. So the last three games they've played, uh, they've scored three goals and all three of them have been as a result of a set piece. I think one was a throw-in, one was a penalty and one was a free kick. 
Um, so it just goes to show that um, we've, we've really got to be switched on, uh, especially from set pieces from dead balls uh, scenarios uh, on Saturday. I do think it's going to be a really, really tight game. Um, I think we can expect to have the majority of the ball. I think Akrington have only had the majority of the uh, possession once this season in the league. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be very similar to, say, Northampton, I suppose, uh, three at the back as well. Um, so I'm expecting a really cagey game. First goal will be very important. And if it's not a nil-nil, I'm sure it'll be a one-nil. Yeah, it's going to, as sort of Joe previewing is, um, you know, deep dive into action. They're going to sit back. They're going to let us play with the football. And they're going to try and benefit off our errors. And um, it's our job to make sure they don't happen. And we ultimately score first. So that's It's going to be a very similar story for most, most teams to play this season, especially in League One as... You know, it's it's not as glamorous as a championship in terms of certain how certain teams play, um, but you know, it's the game's in our hands. It's and that's and that's where you want it essentially. And that's where Rush wants it, as far as we're aware. So, gents, to predict the starting elevens, um, I have a feeling there's not going to be too much change from Wednesday night, but I'll ask around anyway. Um, Jack, let me shock you. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we'll see. Um, uh, Jack, why don't you kick us off with your uh, predicted start eleven for Accrington? Sure. So I'll just say it's the same eleven as uh, on Wednesday night. The only difference, I, uh, any change I could potentially see is uh, Sermon coming out, maybe last dropping in, just just due to sort of fitness concerns. Uh, other than that, I don't really see any reason to change a side. Uh, it, it'd probably be a bad idea to change a winning winning side. Yeah. Um, Ross, are you in agreement with Jack? Uh, I want Kieran Agard to start. Um, no, on a serious <laughs> note, um, on the same uh, lineup, I, I feel like we need to start building this momentum uh, going forward. I love the start of one feet in nine now. And mm. uh, I know the uh, naysayers of Russ Martin um, won't like that. But uh, yeah, I, I think it will be the same lineup. Yeah, well, quick, quick, quick mentions to them. It's funny how, you know, a couple of weeks can change their perspective, eh? Mm. They've oh, gone yeah, from, yeah. They've gone from Russ out to, uh, you know, praising him. And uh, yeah, well, not much else to say on that. Uh, spoiler alert, I've gone with the same 11 against Charlton. Um, I've put my notes, it'd be pretty mad to change that lineup unless it's forced. Obviously, maybe due to fitness or injury, but don't believe anyone came out injured in, there, in that game unless there was any knocks or something like that. Um, so, Joe, we've got three same start 11s in Charlton. Are you going to make it a fourth? I'm not. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I think that the team will be very similar to the Charlton one, but I just just some changes that I feel could be made, and I'll give my reasoning. I think we mentioned about how important set pieces are going to be in this game, and I feel that we mentioned how vocal Willow was and how good he was against Barnet. I could could see him coming in for O'Hora, perhaps. O'Hora's played a lot recently. Um, that's just one change that I could see. Maybe, uh, maybe he wouldn't necessarily make it, but it's one I could see. Um, also, with I could also see Daniel Harvey and maybe even Paul coming in, just for that more physical presence, just so we're not getting caught out. I, 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 I love Sorinola, but he, he has played a lot of football. But then again, we said he's been playing so well, so can he actually be dropped? Um, again, the sermon one's interesting. Um, I think, you know, if for me, if he's fit, he starts. But I could easily see maybe Gladwin coming in and Paul going to right back. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think it will be pretty much bang on what, what Charlton was. But they're just a couple of areas where I could see one or two changes. 
Yeah, that's completely fair enough. You know, there's, there's always a chance of rotation from that fixtures we've got coming up and had. Um, just to reference, I know some people might mention this, so I'll say the start 11 that did start against Charlton in case people were taking notes. Um, so it was a Fisher in goal, uh, O'Hora, Keo, Lewington to back three, uh, Gladwin, Kasimu, Sermon, Fraser and Saranola, and then uh, Morris and Jerome up top. Um, and that is a complete start 11 for myself, Jack and Ross. So we've talked at Quintin, we've talked starting 11s. Let's get into our predictions, gents. Um, I'll kick us off, I suppose. Um, from what we've gathered, Accrington are quite a good home team and they don't really score a lot. They've scored one fewer goal than us in the league and they don't concede many either. Um, so as we kind of referred to, it, there's a very likely or a good likely chance that one goal is going to decide this game. Um, and I'm hoping that Don score that goal. So I'm going to go 1-0 Milton Keynes-Dons. Um, Ross, why don't you go up next and give us your prediction for Accrington on Saturday? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange one because I feel like the our lads will have that real buzz and um, I feel like they're going to have that extra kick compared to Accrington who uh, scraped a draw against Shrewsbury um, on Tuesday night, I think it was. So I just feel like um, I feel like we've got that edge in terms of going into the game, but um, I just feel like we're we, we're just going to have the edge in and control the game. And as you said, boys said we're going to have all the possession. So I think it's all down to us and what we do with the ball instead of them. So I've gone with a two-one uh, Don's victory. Yeah, the game's in our hands, definitely. Uh, Joe, have you got us hat trick of wins for us, or are you going something different? Um, yeah, I, 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 I do think we'll win. And I, I, just a quick note, I, I did briefly mention it. Um, Accrington didn't play from the twen- or train from the 20th of October to the 7th of November. And since then, in less than a month, I believe they've played seven games. So just maybe a factor to consider, especially with their, you know, quite a, a poor result against the Shrewsbury. Well, I mean, we got two all against Shrewsbury, but by all accounts, scraping it late on. Um, but I, I think that, Maybe there's some sh- signs showing that perhaps they're tiring, um, and just just maybe something to bear in mind. Um, I I, th- I feel that we'll dominate the ball. I feel like it's not going to be a Northampton game or an AFC Wimbledon game. I feel like we are going to create chances. Um, so I'm going two 0 Okay, and uh, yeah, it's a great point regarding they're not training actually. Yeah, I hope it's MK Joe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yes. they've been playing for four weeks now, but it's just you know that could start catching up with them. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's a great point. Uh, Jack, why don't you close off giving your prediction for Saturday's game? Sure, so I think very similar to um, to yours and Ross's prediction, I see it being a tight game. Um, I do hope that we can get the edge and I've put us down for a one nil win. Um, I do think though Accrington away is going to be a really tricky, tricky, tricky place to go to. Um, so first goal, as always, very important. But yeah, one nil Dons. Yeah, nice. Can I Four just wins. say as well? I think a draw would be a good result. I think if we get a draw, I don't think it would be a bad result. Just looking at where they are on the table mm. and the grand scheme of things, it's a, it's a decent point. If we, I don't, I don't think Facebook would agree, Jay. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think any road, uh, any point on the road is a good point, personally. Um, but no, yeah, as you, as you said, yeah, uh, Facebook may differ to that opinion. <laughs> um, 
yeah so that's it from us um jack thank you very much for coming on the pod and uh, giving your views um let listeners know where they can find you on socials and if any work you do for don's related that you want to work or give a, a um, yeah I'll, I'll just put in my, my twitter it's at jack wf underscore um that's the only social i sort of use so if you want to see my don's views however poor they may be you can find them on there brilliant so thank you very much for listening to this latest episode of the MK1 podcast. Uh, as usual, it would be great if you could um, rate, review and subscribe. Uh, you know, the feedback's always appreciated and we're always getting different types of feedback each week. And um, yeah, we're trying to implement it all into the podcast and um, we've got big things planned for the new year coming up. And we're hopeful that you'll be sticking around and uh, listening and hopefully we can fill the listener base up a bit more. Thank you very much for listening and come on, you dons. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.